are we all doing on this Thanksgiving week? This is Donnie Collins from the Scranton Times Tribune, host of the Penn State podcast. Looking forward to this weekend's season finale for Penn State against Michigan State at Beaver Stadium. 4 p.m., weird kickoff time, but you know, TV, they make all these calls and obviously they want that Ohio State-Michigan game to be finished before they get into the second round of, of games on Saturday. So probably a good thing, good start time late in the day for the Nittany Lions and Spartans. Penn State, obviously, really good shot here to finish the season with 10 wins, put themselves in position for a bowl game that's of some significance, a New Year's Six game. We're going to focus really on what happened last week at Rutgers. Penn State with a slow start. They were a little sloppy in the beginning. Rutgers played with a lot of emotion early in the game, especially on defense. They they really got after Sean Clifford in the first quarter, stopped the run. Uh, really, in, until halftime, they did a really good job against Katron Allen and Nick Singleton. But Penn State scored three touchdowns outside of the offense, two on defense. Kobe King with a 14-yard fumble return for a score. Jair Brown, 70 yards on a fumble return. Nick Singleton, a 100-yard return on a kickoff. He's been due for that one for a while. And Penn State cruises 55-10. And that's really what they've been doing all, all of November, cruising. They've blown out Indiana, blown out Maryland, blown out Rutgers. And I I get why, you know, there's a little bit of an eye roll with that among some fans because, yeah, who they haven't beaten anybody ranked all year. They faced two ranked teams and didn't really amount to anything. They, you know, they they blew the game against Ohio State and Michigan crushed it. Look, it's not Penn State's fault that Auburn turned out to be lousy this year. It's not, and just like it's not Penn State's fault that Maryland, which which had a pretty good season going until they showed up at Beaver Stadium and completely looked overwhelmed, not Penn State's fault that Maryland didn't play up to the task either. There were some good teams on the schedule that just really didn't pan out. Purdue, you know, I'm sure Penn State wishes they finished a little bit stronger than they did. They have a chance at the Big Ten West Championship, but it's just a, a slight chance. Iowa's going to sneak in there, guys. After all these struggles on offense, after being the butt of national jokes, Iowa's going to win the West. All they have to do is, is win this weekend, beat Nebraska on Friday, and they're in. But one thing that happened on Saturday that's really not getting a whole lot of attention, and I think it should. I think it I think it deserves attention. We're going to talk about it a little bit here because I think it kind of goes into the Thanksgiving theme here this week. James Franklin won his 100th game as a head coach on Saturday. 76 of those wins are at Penn State. 76 and 36 with the Nittany Lions since taking over the job from Bill O'Brien in 2014. Saying good things about James Franklin is not popular for a few reasons. Number one, I think there's some consternation among fans. And I actually, I know there's consternation among fans about how good a coach is this guy on game day. I laugh at that because he's won a lot of games for a guy who can't coach. And I, I hear that all the time. Oh, he's not a great coach. He's a good recruiter, good CEO, can't coach. He's a pretty damn good coach, guys. You don't win 100 games in the Power 5 level if you're not a good coach. Just some numbers to throw at you in back of what James Franklin is in the in the coaching community and, and what his accomplishments mean. Since 2016, and, and Franklin really took over a team that was riddled by the sanctions. Since repealed sanctions, I think it's fair to add, but riddled by sanctions. Franklin took over a team that was not bowl eligible, that was down plenty of scholarships. 
2014-2015 were really rebuilding years for him. Not not using them excuses, but once Penn State got good in 2016, Franklin's winning percentage, 72%. He's 62-24 and 24 since the start of the 2016 season. That's the sixth best among coaches at the FBS level. Only five guys with a higher winning percentage. 27 coaches in the FBS with 100 wins right now. Only 27. I thought that would be more. Of those 27, only 16 of them have those 100 wins at the FBS level. 75% of his wins have come at Penn State. He's one of just nine coaches in the game right now who could say that, which really speaks to kind of this level of, oh, he's, he's, is he really committed to Penn State? He's been here forever at this point. Only seven coaches active with 100 career wins had all of their first 100 wins at a Power 5 program. Not easy to do. Only 11 active coaches have 100 wins as a Power 5 coach. And Franklin is the first black head coach to reach 100 career wins, which I think is, is pretty impressive and sad and a lot of different things. But Franklin has done it, done it well at Penn State. And I don't think he gets anywhere near the amount of respect he deserves for this, for what he's done at this program and for what he's done in this era of college football when, look, this is not an easy time to coach. Not an easy time to be a coach at any level, little league, peewee football, travel basketball, any of it. It, it. Coaching is a hard profession now. It is demanding. I hear these comments that, oh, Franklin's a, he's a good CEO, but he's not a good coach. Well, you have to be a CEO to be a good coach because that's part of the job. He's mentioned a couple of times in the last few weeks about having conversations with parents during the season about playing time, about NFL prospects, a lot of stuff like that, dealing with agents. That's not easy. That is not part of the job that Joe Paterno did. That's not part of the job that Bear Bryant had. This is a much different era of what it means to be a coach than it was back then when your your focus was football and academics, and that's it. Now you have you have agents, you have NIL, you have much different standards on injuries, thankfully. And Hey, you better win now because the money is bigger. There's a lot of pressure on guys like James Franklin right now. And I don't think Penn State fans are appreciative of him enough. I'm going to read from an email I received. I'm only going to read it because I hear this all the time. And it goes like this. For those of us who are quote unquote fans, but not experts, the feeling is pretty much this. College football is very difficult and Coach Franklin has done an admirable job. However, he is not in the quote unquote upper tier of coaches, nor will he be until he could win quote unquote big games. Penn State was far above average this year. They won all the games they were quote-unquote supposed to. They also lost both games that we expected them to. They're the third best team in the Big Ten, but they're always behind the aforementioned too. You can't have a double standard with your head coach. And also a disclaimer here. This is coming from a guy who sits in front of the television during the summer and screams at Aaron Boone pretty much nonstop. You know, I think the, the, the manager, the head coach, whoever's in charge of your team, whoever's making those decisions, Always the easiest target. Always, when you're a fan, the, the biggest point of frustration. He's always the guy screwing up. Very, very rarely are people happy with the head coach. Unless it's, who, who, who are the head coaches people are happy with in sports today? Totally happy with. Belichick. Belichick has won more Super Bowls than any head coach. Nick Saban, always in the national championship conversation. Gino Auriemma, always in the national championship conversation. They're the geniuses. They're also the people with the players. Go out to Ohio State. Are they thrilled that Ryan Day hasn't won the national championship? Nope. Would any other program in the country love to have Ryan Day? You bet. 
he's made some mistakes. I've called him out for some mistakes. It's not just him. Every head coach makes mistakes. Go back and look at the Ohio State-Penn State game this year. Look at the bad offensive play calls in that game. A lot of them weren't Mike Yersich's. Most of them were Ryan Day's. You can find something to complain about with every head coach at every level, except for maybe the the one guy at the top of every list who's always a national championship guy and they're the or the or professional championship guy, and they're always the guys we've mentioned. There are not many of those guys. And newsflash, Penn State isn't getting any of those guys. You're getting a guy who wants to be at Penn State, who knows the challenges. Penn State has always had challenges on the recruiting trail, and those get exacerbated in this day and age when there are financial benefits to being in bigger cities and being with a program that's going to win, with or without you as a recruit. Take Marvin Harrison Jr. off of Ohio State. They'd still be pretty good. They might still win the Big Ten, but they don't take that chance, do they? Nor should they. Penn State has to win without being able to get that extra guy. They have to win with what they get, and they get some pretty good recruits but they don't get the plethora of really good recruits that Ohio State gets or Alabama gets. But that's the level that fans want James Franklin competing. At. And that puzzles me a little bit because I, it seems to me as if a lot of fans think that Penn State has competed at that level before, and it has not. Something when I was doing my, working on my preview stories for this week really caught my attention. We do all this talking about how does Penn State stack up against Michigan? How does Penn State stack up against Ohio State? That's their measuring stick. Penn State all-time against Michigan State, record-wise, 36 games. Sparty leads the series 18-17-1. That's all-time. The last four games, Joe Paterno coached against Michigan State. Series tied 2-2. The eight games, James Franklin's coached against Michigan State. 5-3 Sparty. There's all this talk about why can't they get to Ohio State's level guys they're Michigan State that's what they've traditionally been they've traditionally been on the level of Michigan State they've never been a dominant team against top five programs to be fair nobody is nobody's at that level where you're consistently beating the number two team in the country you're going on the road to beat number four that that doesn't happen but that's what you're asking Penn State to do this season or else, oh, it's a, it's a big failure if you don't beat Michigan or Ohio State. You know how big a failure it is? Joe Paterno, great head football coach. Nobody doubts that. Nobody questions what he meant to Penn State, what he meant to coaching. There's a lot of other things we could talk about, but we'll leave it at that. Joe Paterno won his 100th game on November 6, 1976 against NC State. That was his 100th win, and he did it. And I think this is super impressive. I don't care what era you coached in. He did it in 122 games. That's, that's amazing. He had, a, he had a bunch of undefeated seasons in there, of course. But Joe Paterno was 121-1 and one at one point in his career. He took over for Rip Engel in 1966. First win was September 17, 1966 against Maryland. So you're talking about 10 years. A little 10 years and two months it took him to reach 100 wins. He got there in 10 seasons plus nine games. You know what his record was against top five teams in that stretch? Penn State against top five teams. And Joe Paterno's first 121 games were 1-7. and seven. James Franklin, since 2016, when I really think it's fair to judge James Franklin on what he's done against top five teams, because you want to count what he did at Vanderbilt when he lost to Alabama. I mean, Vanderbilt's not going to beat Alabama. They're, they were competitive, and that was enough there. That was really the standard that they wanted to hit was competitive. But let's take it from 2016 on when Penn State 
had Saquon Barkley and really wanted to be competitive and more than that in the Big Ten when they had some really great teams, some teams that I will grant you should have won the Big Ten championship. 2017, they should have been playing in the playoff. They were the, one of the four best teams in the country. But Penn State, since 2016, under James Franklin against top five teams, are one and nine. That's not good. It's not what you want, as a wise man once said. But it's really no worse than what Penn State was in Joe Paterno's first 100 games. Yet there's this assumption out there, I think, is the best way to put it. There's this revisionist history that Penn State was always a title contender under Joe Paterno, always one of the best teams in the country. And I could tell you right where Penn State was under Joe Paterno. And he had won those 100 games before I was born. So I didn't see, obviously, a single one of those. But I could tell you just by looking at what they did against top 25 opponents, they were 4-1 and against teams ranked from 5-10. to They were 12 and 2 against teams ranked from 10 to 25, or excuse me, 11 to 25. So, in total fairness, that's where Penn State was. They were a top five team at their best, top 10 to 25 team pretty consistently. I think that's what they are now. And I think it's fair to wonder hey, should we be better than this? But, guys, Joe Paterno did this in the 60s and 70s, much different world, many, many moons ago, in a much different college football. And what I find very interesting is is in Paterno's first 100 games, they only played a top 25 team 27 times. Franklin's played 28 top 25 teams since 2016. And that's about where they belong. They were were one and three against the teams ranked six to 10, Franklin's teams, and nine and five against teams ranked 11 to 25. This is where they slot. Where they are right now in the nation is where they were then. It's where they've pretty much always been. When they're good, they're a top 10 team. When they're pretty good, they're a top 25 team. And yet when I read that email that I read earlier, it's kind of interesting to me because I think the one knock you could make on James Franklin legitimately really is that he hasn't beaten some of the teams he should beat. In 2017, if they beat Michigan State, if they don't collapse after that weather delay, they're in the playoff. There's no question they're a playoff team. Even with losing to Ohio State, they're going. They're a one-loss team with a tremendous offense, a team that had played in a classic Rose Bowl the year before, a team that had won the conference the year before. They're going. You could argue they should have been there in 16 as a top 14. But 17 is the year they should have gone. But they couldn't beat Michigan State, a team that a team that was ranked 24th. Penn State was ranked number 7 at that point. Should have won that game. There's really no excuse for losing that one. 2019? Again, lose to Ohio State in 2019. Okay, Ohio State's number two in the country. You really should have beaten Minnesota, though. They beat Minnesota. It doesn't matter if you lose to Ohio State. Another thing I read in that email, and I've heard it a lot. Oh, they're firmly behind Ohio State and Michigan. Can't get past those two teams. What's it What's it all for? They played hard against Michigan. They didn't this year. They got crushed this year. But in their last six games, they've split with Michigan. I don't consider that Michigan being way ahead of Penn State. I think Michigan's had a better team the last two years, but I still think Penn State should have won the game in 2021 against them. I think they're kind of right there with Michigan. And tip your cap to Michigan. That's hard to do because they're Michigan, but they're a good football team. They have two really dominant running backs. They were very healthy at that point. They're dominant up front on both sides of the ball. Penn State maybe needed that wake-up call. Maybe... If this is a team that makes the playoff next year, 
they'll look back on this and say, hey, we really needed to lose to Michigan. That changed our viewpoint on what it means to be good in this league. They've been a very good team since that game. It seems like the view changes on Franklin. A couple of years ago, he doesn't win the games he should win. And now he wins the games he should win, and it's how he doesn't beat Ohio State and Michigan. The goalposts have always moved against this guy, and I just don't think it's fair. There's a reason this guy's won 100 games and done it rather quickly and done it in the SEC and in the Big Ten when those were far and away the best conferences in college football. It's because he knows his stuff. He knows what he's doing. He can recruit talent. He can develop it. And he can watch him succeed. Does that mean he's better than Ohio State? No. Not better than what the Buckeyes have. But the Buckeyes were trending toward where they're getting before James Franklin got to Penn State. Is there ever a time to question whether a coach is the right guy to get you over the top? Yes, of course. Is that time now for James Franklin? I just don't think so. He came in at a difficult time. He's had to deal with NIL, deal with the transfer portal, deal with a lot of different things. He's had to deal with a lot of things that Joe Paterno never had to deal with, as I said earlier. And that's not a knock on Joe Paterno, just a different era. Doesn't make James Franklin's job easier, though. Makes it a little more difficult. And the Big Ten's a lot better now than being an independent in the 60s and 70s. Just a fact. And yet, through it all, the number is pretty much the same. The knock on James Franklin this year can't beat the good teams. Now, I'm not saying James Franklin's going to have 409 career wins someday at Penn State. I'm not going there. I'm not saying he's going to win two national championships. I'm not saying this is any kind of precursor of anything. But it is a pretty obvious sign that Penn State's not done getting where it's going to go, that there's some patience needed here, that they might get there sooner than later. By that, I mean the playoff. But to wonder aloud, oh, why aren't they there yet? I, we've given this guy enough time. Look at the money he makes. You know who makes more money than James Franklin? Mel Tucker. You know what Mel Tucker's record is? He's 23 and 20. Penn State's got a pretty good coach at a pretty fair salary, doing really great things for a football program that seems to me to be on the upswing. And it's kind of surprising to me that a lot of fans don't see it that way. week important for Penn State? You bet it is. Don't want to go out and lose to a Michigan State team that you shouldn't lose to. That takes a lot of the steam out of what has been a really good finish for Penn State, doing what they have to do against teams that they should handle. That's a big step forward for this team this year, as we talked about earlier. Being able to outlast teams that they should handle. And Michigan State's reeling. They lost eight players because of that attack at the tunnel in Michigan Stadium. They haven't recovered from that. They were they were not a good team before that. I think they lost four straight uh, after Washington upset them. Guys, Penn State's the team that has so much more to play for in this game. Penn State needs that 10th win. College football playoff rankings came out Tuesday night. They're still number 11. They got jumped by Oregon, an okay team in a bad conference, which beat Utah, which was another okay team in a bad conference. They kind of just flipped spots between... Oregon and Utah. So you Oregon jumps the Nittany Lions and Tennessee, which suffered a really embarrassing loss to South Carolina last last week, a 25-point defeat. They stay at number 10. 
lose by 25, allow 63 points, lose their starting quarterback and Heisman candidate to an ACL injury, and they still stay in the top 10. It's nice to be in the SEC, guys. really is. But for this to be the ranking going into rivalry week, going into this critical week of college football is embarrassing for the committee. Absolutely embarrassing. But again, Penn State's got to win big this week. They got have to do their part, have to go out there and be convincing against the Michigan State team that you have to question what they're playing for. Mel Tucker said this week, bowl eligibility is still a big deal. We want to have it, a lot to play for. But bowl eligibility for Michigan State that might might mean the quick lane bowl in Detroit the day after Christmas. I'm not sure that's going to get them fired up to play. And I think Penn State is going to handle them pretty easily this week. Again, fourth straight dominant showing for Penn State. I have them 37 to 14 this week at Beaver Stadium, four o'clock on Saturday. If they haven't shown you something as a fan, I, I don't know what you're looking for. I, I, I think they've They've done a pretty good job here, and they do need to finish it out, though, against Michigan State on Saturday, and I think they will. And either way, we'll talk about it next week when we return with the Penn State Podcast. This is Donnie Collins. Thanks for listening this week. Have a great Thanksgiving. Enjoy your families. Enjoy your time away from work. Enjoy whatever you can enjoy this week. Be thankful, and we'll see you next week.